Thank you everyone for joining me on a Kill the Pig podcast. I'm your wonderful, multi-talented host, Dee. And I'm so excited, you guys, because today I have Tiana on. And Tiana is a YouTuber that I think is, I think you're so amazing, first off. Yeah, yeah. I think you have such a good variety of content in terms of the beauty stuff you do, the makeup, and then also the politics stuff. I actually recommended one of your videos on discussing differences between like, um, I believe it was like liberals and progressives. It was something along the lines of that. And I had to recommend it to a friend because I had no idea what the difference was between all of that. And... I think I just like the topics you generally touch on as it relates to being a Black woman. I just feel like your perspective is just very fresh and very unique. And I just appreciate these, you young ladies coming up, <laughs> even though I'm only like five years older than you, but still. <laughs> so yeah, I just appreciate you so much. And yeah, I wanted to bring you on here because I wanted to just talk about two things. I want to talk about our relationship with movements. And then I wanted to dive into the whole femininity movement that like I, I see online these days that I have a lot of feelings on. So we'll get into the first part. And I just want to ask you if you feel like you identify with any particular movements in general. Yeah, I think I would just approach any movement that I'm a part of critically because I think all movements can become questionable at some point but I would say for the most part like the black feminist movement if that's even really a movement or just black feminist groups I identify with that type of politic those people those readings typically what it preaches so um, I would say if I was to even try to put anything into a movement it would be that one and then I would say just overall maybe like the movement of people becoming more financially aware just making sure that people are taking care of their money and not in a preachy way like oh black women have to take care of their money but just more in a way that I'm just being more aware of how I spend my money and just being more conscious about it and there are some YouTube videos that I watch that are just very general and helpful so I would say if that's considered a movement, that's another one that I look to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I identified with so many movements throughout my young adulthood. At first, I identified as a feminist, and I found myself a lot of, a lot of you know, white feminists, even led an organization that was mostly, it was mostly, you know, white women that, like, in that organization, I was president of that organization. Then, you know, I learned more, gained more knowledge, and then I, I started identif- identifying as a Black feminist because of experiences that I had in that space. And then I think after college is when I started identifying as more, like, women womanist because that seemed to be more encompassing, I think, more so than what the what I was previously exposed to. So I think I just started identifying as all these different things. And then I strayed away from all of it, to be honest. I think I still hold a lot of those ideas and principles and values in, in how I conduct my life today. But I don't really identify with any one of those terms anymore. And I think that's because for me, it's like, I think I was starting to feel like if I did, if I, if I wasn't abiding by how other people expected me to be in these movements that I was doing it wrong. It's like, I couldn't move in my own way without it being critique. Or if I said the wrong thing, all of a sudden it's like, you're not a real womanist or a feminist or whatever. And then I was just like, well, <laughs> I think I'm just going to have to do my own thing. I think it ended up really making me resent movements in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that even after I was like a womanist, you know, I think I just identified with just social justice in general, because I think at that time, it was like the, it was the mid-2010s, right? And I think this is when online, social, the social justice movement became like a lot more of a thing. But even that, I felt like there was like a certain dogma attached to it. You had to be a certain way. And I'm, I'm not sure, like, do you, do, have you ever felt like that with any of the movements that you have been a part of? Like you had to conduct yourself and say like certain language. I think for me, when I think of Black feminist movement and specifically abolition movements and stuff like that, because a lot of the readings that I'm reading and the people that I'm following, well, the people that I'm following talk about abolition and being an abolitionist as something that you're always becoming and something that you're always getting better at. So you're not necessarily an abolitionist. So like you're always becoming one or becoming a better one or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So I like that language because it's less of pressure to identify in that moment and have everything correct in that moment. But I also feel like authentically with what I believe in, I can never really say the wrong thing because I'm always going to be coming from that point of view and I'm always going to be working to learn more. So I necessarily, I haven't been in spaces that are Black feminists or abolitionists really where I felt like, oh, I couldn't say the right thing. I'm, I'm always willing in those spaces more to have just normal conversations when we're, where, where we're venting about what's going on rather than having an academic study conversation. I think we can read an article to do that. So I haven't necessarily been in those positions. And I think, again, that's more to people's like insecurity or this is more about those people that are trying to point things out and the flaws of what people are doing and saying in these spaces. Because if you're in an abolition space or you're in a Black feminist space, Like a a lot of the core is love and caring for people Mm. and empathy. So if people are feeling uncomfortable in these spaces, people aren't practicing the politic that they are also talking about. And I'm one of those people that I will say what's on my mind. So if people are making me uncomfortable and they are making me question what I'm saying in ways that are not with care, then I'm going to say that. Like, this is not a comfortable space. People are learning. It should be comfortable for people in these spaces or whatever to say to get things out and then we correct each other and learn and grow together. So I would say that's, that's just how I would see it. But again, I haven't been like physically in spaces with a bunch of people as I've been adopting like these values. I've just been on like some webinars and stuff and it pretty much always seems pretty welcoming. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I mean, you said not like in person, but you're interacting with these people in real time. Um, okay. And I think, you know what, that probably makes a lot more of a difference because I think what I'm talking about is like my experience online, like being on Tumblr years ago, like, you know what I mean? Or being just being on Twitter or anything like that. I think that there's a difference between being online and being in those types of communities online with people that you don't know, the people that, you know, you're actually interacting with you interacting with in those webinars because I'm sure those people are getting more familiarity with you and they probably will hold more space for you to not be perfect whereas I feel like online it's like if you mess up your wording in terms of how you to refer to people or use incorrect terms people are more likely to just climb on you to kind of project a sense of superiority you know at least that's where I think it's coming from those those things aren't real I mean like even on Twitter I do follow a lot of people that off surface value I agree with and I just I'm learning to not take it that serious like even if somebody tweets something that I do agree with I'm not running to retweet it running to like amplify it because at the same time I don't know that person they can just be tweeting this because it sounds good not because they believe in it and or they they, this might be something that they're saying in good faith but they did not fact check it I don't know if this is true it sounds like it might fit my politic but I I don't, I don't feel like fact checking this tweet before I retweet it. So a bunch of that stuff, a lot of it on the internet is a performance. So I don't take it that serious. When people are going at each other for their political views, some of those people might not even speak much in real life, like day to day. They wouldn't even do that in real life. So I take a lot of that stuff with a grain of salt and I just don't participate in it because it's, it's really just, it's not that real at all. So I would say on social media, when people are kind of nitpicking people for their wording, and I try not to participate participate in it too much unless I deem it necessary for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't take it too much to heart. But but I do feel, and I get weary around certain language when people are like, oh, you know, I can never say the right thing and stuff. Cause then those be the people who say problematic things. And it's like, yeah, you can never say the right thing. So you need to start doing the reading. Okay. So I'm tired of giving you chances, you know? So it just, it depends case by Mm. case, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, No, I think that that's a great point. I do agree. I think that there's, there are cases where I think that like there are people that don't want to do the work and they just want to be able to like express how they feel and not have to think about how they're saying it and how, and and, like, you know, in the context that they're saying it. Right. So I think that there's that, but I still also think there is a culture of being dismissive of people's points. If they're not 
saying it in exactly the way that you think like, it should be said. You can look at someone's point and say they have a valid point and still at the same time say, okay, but like maybe you should have worded it this way or thought about this, you know, in terms of how you framed your discussion. But I think that people are quick to dismiss it and be like, well, because you didn't word it this way, your point is now invalid. And I think that's what I'm trying to make a distinction between. And And I guess that's why, at least online, I find that like a lot of these movements can be dangerous in that way, or at least from like my experience, you know, being online in in these spaces, because I feel like a lot of times people weren't making this distinction between that. I think that's where my problem with being in these spaces can tend to come from. But I also think that this wouldn't be a problem (laughs) if like we're in spaces where people are holding space for people to kind of make these mistakes. Yeah. So, so yeah, but yeah, so, but moving on, I guess in general, as people, like, why are we so drawn to these specific type of movements? I feel like there's so many movements within movements and this and that. And is it just like a general human thing? Do we just really crave being validated and how we feel? Like, what, what do you think it is? I think it's a human thing, a history thing that systemic oppression or different types of oppression create. So like if people are gravitating towards like a Black Lives Matter movement, a poor people's campaign kind of movement, they're doing that because of years of systemic oppression and having to organize to get rid of these things. For I think almost, I don't want to say for a, a long time in human history, there have been hierarchies, whether it's kings and queens, and then there's like a caste system of like people at the bottom, whether it's racial or just Um, class-based and then people start to organize they start to rise up and they start to air their grievances and they they organize themselves in certain ways so I definitely think that I don't know the answer to this without you know adding oppression into it because people organize in those ways when they're feeling like they're being oppressed and they're trying to find a solution to have their voices heard have a community to talk to about these issues create an action plan to hopefully alleviate those issues so i think that's where it comes from just the need to kind of make a change Mm -hmm. but you know but at the same time i feel like you know not every movement is necessarily political as well i mean we're going to be talking about femininity and i'm not sure if you could classify that as i mean there is a political context <laughs> that it exists in, but I don't know if I, I, I identify it as a political type of movement where there's, where, the, where it's fueled by oppression. But I think that it has its roots in there with the oppression of like black women and how we've been kind of told that we're like masculine. And I think that's a, a reaction to it, but I don't know. I don't know if I would classify it as that. So my point is that you're saying it like it, it comes from like a pre- it can come from oppression like these movements but i'm wondering what about like non-political movements in general well that would be hard because i consider everything political there's really mm. nothing that's not political almost like everything everything has its political leanings because mm. what, like everything i do as a black woman it's it's politicized so there's nothing, there's no groups that I go to that are not, me, even me, even me deciding to be in a space with just Black mm-hmm. women, that's a political decision because I have to do that in order to preserve mm-hmm. my sanity or whatever the case is. So, and I think like the feminine, the femininity movement would not exist without poverty, without capitalism, without fat phobia, without colorism, you know? So Black women wouldn't be preaching to each other on YouTube if these weren't the things we were trying to escape by dating men with money or or wearing pink and getting facials, you know? So it's like, (laughs) these things are very political that wouldn't exist without the issues that we go through, without systemically being one of the most poor groups of people in the United States and around the world. So that's how I think of it. Because like we only know history through colonialism and imperialism and we don't know life without that. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, so it's it's essentially like politics informs everything in terms of how we move and how we conduct ourselves. And I I think that's such I think that's a, like a very very good point because I think this little I think we can actually like start to segue into the whole femininity thing because oh, I I started getting exposed to the whole femininity movement thing no first I found a YouTube channel 
I think her name is Chrissy and I found her years ago, five years ago. And at first I was like, oh, you know, they're supporting dark skinned women. Like that, that seems great. I'm, I, I'm down. And then like over time, at first I, I remember finding those videos and feeling like empowered, like, wow, like, this is great. And then over time, I remember I would leave those videos like feeling bad about myself. Oh my gosh, I, I'm not like this. I'm not like that. Like I am not like, I, I'm not wearing like a super long, like really like straight weave and, and I talk a lot and like I'm loud and I'm not super, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like, there were just so many things that I felt like she was listing that I had to be. And I felt like it, it was starting to breathe a sense of insecurity in me. Like, right. oh my gosh, that honestly didn't really exist before. And I think that once I started feeling that I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, I can't really, I can't really do this. But lately I've been seeing a lot of other channels that are popping up and that are kind of doing similar types of content here towards black women. Mm-hmm. And their goal is to uplift and empower. But I don't know, I question that a lot because for me, it, it, it bred a sense of insecurity that wasn't even, didn't even really exist for me before. Can I just ask like what your experience with it is? Because I remember I watched your video and you did, you talked about like all like the, the content creators that you saw that were, you know, putting this out, but I don't recall you, you know, really explaining like your experience like prior to that. Yeah, I think on YouTube, I definitely seen Chrissy's channel before. And I'm, I want to say I probably watched at least five to 10 videos a couple of years ago and then just stopped. I don't have too much of a recollection why. But I will say that I think a lot of these channels pop up because it is lucrative. You make money from views, whether people believe it or not, they're going to say those things on camera if it's going to get them the views to get a check. So I highly doubt a lot of these channels would exist if they didn't see other people getting a lot of views from it. Or if a lot of these channels probably would have been preaching this message, but then they would have went away if they saw that they were preaching it to only five people. So I definitely think that the fact that it is something that you can make some money off of is why people continue to do it. But I, I really have, I didn't, I never watched them because just by looking at the title and the thumbnails, I was like, you know what, this is not for me. But I think, you know, when I was younger, I always wanted to be more girly like some of my peers because like if my peers were girly maybe they had longer hair curvier bodies dressed a certain way they would get more male attention or just more attention in general that was more positive sometimes so I would want that I would want to be I would want to gain a little bit more weight I would want to wear dresses I would want to make sure like my arms didn't look too muscular muscular or whatever and I'm taller anyway so People would always worry about, oh, like, who are you going to date? Is he going to be taller than you and all that stuff? So I just always wanted to be more feminine in that sense because of my peers, never because of, like, social media at that time, because it wasn't that much of a pressure now. And I'm older now to kind of, like, avoid a lot of the pressures from social media to be more feminine. But, um, yeah, and I think if if I want to perform femininity, I am conscious enough to be doing that for myself and not for someone else to an extent, because there's only but so much you can control. But yeah, I've never really had like the YouTube pressures that I feel like some people have now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's the thing is, it wasn't something like for me, it was not, it wasn't even something I ever thought about until YouTube just started recommending me these videos. They were just like, oh, we think you'd like this. And then I was like, oh, this seems interesting and empowering. And then it's like, for me, it just, it created a sense of insecurity. Whereas I think for you, it was a little bit different. It's, it sounds like for you, it was just seeing your peers, being around them, and then like observing like, wow, like if I want to attract guys, I need to be more this way mm-hmm. but but did you ever end up going to youtube after that for like tips on how to be feminine and then stumble upon the careers or or no not really i mean the most i can remember is watching videos like maybe like some psychology videos i think it's like psycho- psychology today or psychology to go and it would be like oh what it's like if like to get to you be able to tell if you have a crush versus if you really love someone or like stuff like that and then you kind of go down that rabbit hole where you might mm-hmm. find videos of like 
oh, like you'll see a title and it says like, oh, like how to get a guy to like you or whatever. So I don't, maybe I, maybe when I was really young, I probably did watch those things, but nothing that's coming to my memory now. Like, I definitely don't put it past my younger self. And I, de- I definitely think people watch those, whether they're really trying to get advice or then they're, or they're just trying to pass time. So I definitely think that, but I've never really been down too much of a femininity rabbit hole where I was watching these things consistently and believed it at first and then had to like come to my senses. No. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good. Um, I think that's good. Cause I, I, I worry that a lot of people that consume that go down this rabbit hole of just consuming all of this content without really thinking about the context and the motivation of the people that is, is making it. Like, like you said before, like this is a lucrative business. And, you know, it's profiting. And this, like I said in my previous episode, I, this, this, this is just another business that I feel like is profiting off of Black women's insecurities. And mm-hmm. it, it's, and it's so, it's, it's so sad. And, but the thing is that in this case, it's like you have other Black women and, and femme people that are just like pushing this to us. Whereas mm-hmm. with the whole dating thing, it's, it's a largely like men who are doing this. But with femininity, it's honestly, the goal is the same though. It's because ultimately... It's about how to get a man. And I feel like as black women, this preys off of like our insecurity about being about how desirable that we are. It's just two different sides of the same coin, essentially. Uh, And I understand that people, that there are some people that enjoy that content, but it's like, I really feel like it's so important to understand like the context that you're consuming that information and literally what what are they gaining out of this like literally i saw one woman who's like i have an e-course on how to be like feminine that's just coming out and i'm just like okay (laughs) It's it's mainly a scam because a lot of these people well for one we have no idea what chrissy looks like i would love to say that she is actually a dark skinned you know black woman but we have no way to confirm that And like a lot of these channels, we have no way to confirm what they actually look like. We're just taking their word for it. And some people are like, well, why does it matter? Just take, take what you want and, 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 you know, leave the rest. And I'm like, that's such a shallow kind of point of view. And that lacks a lot of critical thinking. And that's why people get scammed in the first place, because you're not able to be like, if someone is preaching something to me, that is, they're preaching something to me that is supposed to impact my physical appearance and attributes and I don't even see them, nor I see them them reaping the benefits from the results. Before a lot of us buy clothes on the internet, we read the reviews and we love when we can see a review with someone who actually has the outfit on. So you can see how it looks on another person. So how does all of that discernment just go out of the window when it's a YouTube video about someone, you know, trying to help you with your self-esteem? Well, I think that's, that's, that, that's it right there. <laughs> like the self-esteem, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's like, I feel like you have to be very insecure with, with yourself and like where you're at in life to follow the guidance and wisdom of someone who you don't even have any idea what they look like if they practice what they're actually preaching. I'm not sure if there's any way to really rationalize why someone else would consume that kind of content. With the whole dating thing, my friend was bringing up in the last episode that these women are calling in because they want to date Black men of a certain caliber, like a certain high value man, right? And this guy, Kevin Samuels, is projecting himself as that. He looks prim, proper, put together. He's talking about how he has this young woman all over him. He has money, this and that. And so these people are like, I'm going to go talk to him because he's a type of Black man that I want. And... And that makes sense. But with the sense of like, at least with Christy and a lot of other, these content creators, they're not even like putting their face to it. So they can kind of create that image. So the only way I can explain it must be some type of deep insecurity, or maybe they just want to feel validated in what they may already believe about themselves, if that makes sense. Because I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it, truly. (laughs) I definitely think like if I make any videos critiquing femininity, it's definitely not necessarily to change people's minds. Yeah. It's more of like, you know, I'm just putting the out information out there. You can do with it what you want, because I think to each his own, like I, to an extent, I give a lot of black women grace. Yeah. And if this is what you want to do, sure. Like go ahead. If you're not hurting anybody, cool. Yeah. But I think that again, the women who are doing this are doing the women who are viewing it a disservice because they need to, they need to be very clear. 
Like if you are going to get you, if you're going to date you a black man of status, which is what, if, if, if this is the reason why you're doing this femininity journey, just know that the only thing that is promised is the status. He's not going to, the odds of him actually loving you, caring about you, listening to you, not being abusive, not cheating on you. That cannot be known until you're actually with that person. And they don't say those things. They act like if you just date a man with money, you have the fairy tale and you're good. And that's, and we see that reality debunked all the time, whether it's with celebrities or any other story we get about people who are in a, you know, rich relationship. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Gosh, because but the thing is, like, that would require being like nuanced, right? They'd have to like really think more about like what makes a, a, like a good partner a good partner. Their whole the whole angle, I feel like, is you want someone who is making money. You know, you want like someone who is really like well off, and then that's it. You know, because in these in these spaces, it's like they're ascribing a man's value to be how much money he earns and does he wash his ass and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's really it in the, in, in these spaces. And I think if that they had to incorporate all of these other things, like how well does he, like how good of a person is he? Does he have high, high emotional intelligence? You know, is he really smart? Can he hold a conversation? Then they'd have to break down this idea of what makes a good person a person. And then I think they have to kind of change their angle a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they have to kind of change their definition of a high value man, you know? That's that's if they care though. Cause there's women, uh, there's just a video going around of Megan from the Bad Girls Club. And she's talking about how like, she doesn't care if her man cheats if he does it in private and she doesn't find out or whatever. And it's one of those things where like, again, if he's check, checking the box with money, I think a lot of these things, they don't care about it. Yeah. Um, so that's one and I also think, again, a lot of these women probably wouldn't have these dating preferences if they were able to escape their reality on their own. If they were able to have a really high paying job that wasn't laborious or stressful, they would do it. Um, I know many of them probably want kids and a relationship in general, but I think, too, they wouldn't be trying to have this expensive man if they could take care of their own reality to an extent so I definitely think there's a group too that is like trying to get out of their reality mm-hmm. and then if a woman already has a lot of money the the odds are she doesn't have a problem finding a high value man because she's already in that environment Hoo-hoo-hoo. okay like I just <laughs> yes like literally okay because you and my sister have had this conversation before I feel like this conversation it's not geared towards women who have these things already. You know what I mean? It's not geared towards the women that have money that are secure with like their lives and, you know, have like, I guess this supposed status or whatever. It's geared towards people who are seeking an out, you know? And they, I guess they've just been told all their lives that they are not desirable and that they need to elevate themselves or or to escape their, their current like situation, you know, whatever is like their reality. And yeah, because I just, cause I just, gosh, because now, you know, I'm, that I'm being reintroduced this content at my current age and like at my current stage in life, it's like, none of this stuff really appeals to me because at this point at my big age, right? Like I'm 28. I am someone who's established in like their career and reached a place in my life where I feel very secure with myself because now I understand who I am. But I think that if you are not at that place yet, you become a lot more vulnerable to these types of messaging. Five years ago, I, I, I could have been like more vulnerable and I could have consumed a lot more of this content and who knows, I would have, I would have turned out yeah, no, I just wanted to say like, that was a great point that for a lot of people, it's, it's about like escaping their reality. I also found like a femininity channel. I think there's just like a few of them and they seem to, they seem to brand themselves as femininity. And the thing is when I was looking at their channel, I was like, wait, this seems interesting content. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like too harmful. And, you know, I remember I found one and literally all she was talking about was, you know, improving like your self esteem and like and she wasn't her angle was not about gearing towards men at all it was just about like oh this is like how i like live my life and you know this is how you know i would i improve my self-esteem and these are some of my tips but the thing is they weren't necessarily femininity tips it was just like her whole 
vibe was very feminine, if that makes sense. She's just giving kind of like a general type of advice that's not necessarily tied to the feminine movement. She's just a feminine person. And I think that's why I was like, her content is better. What do you think about that? Because it's something that, it's just something I stumbled upon, if that makes sense. I think if somebody, if someone is naturally like more girly, I would say, because I think there's definitely an expression that comes with if you identify as a woman sometimes people want to be more girly some people sometimes people want to go into the hair the nails the clothes whether it's like you know i don't know typical kind of feminine clothes that women would wear there's always gonna be that category and i think people can opt into it so for example it shouldn't necessarily be binary like not only women have to be the ones that participate in femininity and dress feminine and girly and stuff like that. Anybody can do it. Someone can do it for a day. Somebody can try do it for their whole life if that's what they choose. Yeah. But I think like the issue is when you're forcing other people to do it because you think that like other people will receive the same benefits as you that you think you get from it rather than questioning why people have to perform a certain way to be seen as deserving of anything. So I think that's what it is. And again, I think people also do the the term femininity and the idea of it a disservice when they are preaching, when they are, you know, doing self-care tips, but then they call it femininity. It's like, well, no, then you don't know what femininity is and you're correct. You're, you're not, you're incorrectly categorizing something. So I think that's kind of what it goes into because mm-hmm. all because I'm a black woman doesn't mean that everything I do is black feminist. No. So it, it's like being able to f- figure out what a definition is, just like when we were, you know, when I did the video on progressivism, liberalism and stuff, all because you call yourself a progressive doesn't mean you're actually following what the definition says. So I think that's what happens. So then what's the definition of femininity to you then? Like, to me, I never really looked that much into it. To be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like it's spiritual and some people come from it with a spiritual place. Yeah. I'm like, to me, femininity is just when you are more girly, you do things that w- people who identify as women typically do. I see it. Some people see it as short, dainty nails. I see it as long nails. I see it as long hair. I see it as colorful hair. I see it as like, a certain type of clothing, whether you show more skin or whether you just wear things a certain way. So I think that it's one of those things where I don't even care too much to even look into the definition because I don't think that I'm going to get one that is without, just without ulterior motives in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and that's why I try to use the word girly more because we all know what like a girly girl kind of is. So, Mm yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like my understanding was that uh, my understanding that it just kind of came from what white women like. I feel like to, like like I I always thought that femininity is defined by what what white women present, right? Because white women have like the privilege of being seen as feminine by default most of the time, at least more so than like black women. And so my my idea is that like femininity was femininity was kind of defined. Well, I don't know very I think like a very antiquated form of like white female type of presentation if that makes sense it's it's kind of hard to define but I think that it's always obviously it's supposed to be really juxtaposed to like masculinity but I think that like my idea was that like you want to make sure to do everything in your power to appear as palatable to men and to society as possible so to me that means shrinking yourself down not being too loud you're making sure that you appear as pleasing to men in multiple ways physical social whatever all these ways as possible and to me like that is defined by the white male gaze it's defined by white supremacy so in my head okay that's what the that's what femininity femininity is supposed to be and that's not something that's really been afforded to Black women. And I feel like that's why this movement is just so targeted at us because we're trying to aspire to this form that was not built for us. We'll never win. <laughs> so that's why I'm just like, I don't want to play. I don't, I don't want to play this game. That's what my idea of a femininity is. And it's a losing game. <laughs> is that- yeah. So basically to whoever's listening out there, Femininity, I think, is a losing game in terms of how like, you present and conduct yourself. And I really think that it's more important to look within yourself to define what 
parts of being a woman and being feminine what does that really mean to you and take parts of it and be and be authentic to yourself so that that that's just my thing because in some ways i i'm feminine like i like pink i have pink everything like my sheets are pink in the back like you know what i mean like i like very like girly things but in other ways it's like i am supposedly more masculine in terms of i like to talk a lot and i can be very loud you know but the, yeah, that's why I think the the binary just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So I, because again, I don't yeah. want to be like a cisgender person saying like, oh, we don't need categories at all. But I'm, I'm what I'm really trying to say is the, like, for example, pink is not necessarily supposed to even be a gendered color. We made it that. Yeah. So it's just so like, true. I think, again, to your point, like we can throw away the femininity word and figure out other words to describe a way of self-expression and uh-huh. I think that when again it's very racialized and problematic if we're saying talking loud or presenting a certain way is more masculine especially when like black women are also considered more masculine by default so it's like it's just like the the masculinity term is like an anti-black term anyway so it's like okay get rid of these because they come from racial negative racial backgrounds and what else can we use to describe the ways that people present themselves Mm -hmm. just so that we can give it a word on paper I don't think we necessarily need to have these words um, but I think like if you give the words it's just easier um, to talk about certain things and not have to talk around it if you have a solid word but I definitely think there really isn't that much room for the words femininity and masculinity because that binary and people trying to find what fits in comes from anti-Black reasoning. So yeah, that's pretty much how I think about what, what we call people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're saying that, that there should be something that's more encompassing that kind of strays away from trying to find this dichotomy between like what's feminine and what's not. We should try something unique that doesn't have anything to do with this binary. Yeah, because it only exists within whether someone is a man or a woman Mm -hmm. um, and straight. Mm -hmm. Like, this does not encompass, I don't think, any ways people in the queer community express themselves and the way non-binary people express themselves. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think, first and foremost, when people do continue to latch on to these femininity and masculinity things, you're excluding a bunch of people. Um, from the conversation and in that in those ways is inherently problematic inherently like there's so many systems that they don't try to be problematic but it's inherently problematic because it consists of people that could historically exclude other groups so Mm -hmm. and that's why I think I just get so tired of arguing with people on this femininity thing because like certain things are just so inherent and you're trying to make it include people when it was never meant to Ooh, that is such a good point. And it kind of segues into where I want to get into with like transphobia and everything. Because yeah, no, I think you're you're totally right. Like this was set up in a, such a specific way that was not meant to include anyone who wasn't a white, a white woman, essentially, who was able to embody that. So if you are a cisgender one at that, so if you fall anywhere outside of that, this system or this identity was not even made for you, really. And that kind of, it perfectly segues into like the the last kind of point I really want to touch on. And that's kind of the roots of where I think this movement is coming from. And to me, a lot of what fuels this, these types of movements is the masculinization of Black women, right? We mentioned it before. And I think it's fueled by us dealing with transphobia and being masculinized and always having that in like that kind of stereotype attached to us and then us trying to run away from it you know this I feel ultimately this movement is kind of a reaction to that a reaction to try and fit into this binary system that wasn't made for us because we were positioned as just being so other would you say that you agree or yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's like my, my, my main point. And I think it's really sad because I feel like I observe a lot of women that are trying so hard to like run away from anything that could be seen as remotely masculine on us because we're seen as masculine by default. 
But like we said before, it's a losing game because ultimately people want to see us as masculine already have that bias. It's there. It's set. <laughs> you know what I mean? No amount of, you know, feminizing and all of this is going to really going to change. I don't think it's going to really change these biases in people. So I think that's my my ultimate point with in regards to the transphobia that like Black women face. So I guess my question to you is like, what do you feel about the transphobia that, you know, Black women encounter like as it relates to femininity? Well, I would say Black women, Black cisgender women, I don't know the word, perpetrate a lot of transphobia. I think mm-hmm. a lot of these Black women are, a lot of these Black women who run these trans, these femininity channels may be transphobic. And I've heard that some of them have said transphobic things. So I would say like as a Black cisgender woman, I'm always trying to combat that within my peers. Like, let's mm-hmm. not be transphobic because we yeah. definitely can. And I think, I think what Black women who are cisgender experience, we're experiencing the the negatives of the gender binary rather than we as cisgender women experiencing transphobia. I think black mm. trans women are experiencing the transphobia and sometimes okay. it's coming from cisgender black women. Yeah. And I think that needs to stop. But I also think like solidarity, um, solidarity with black trans women and understanding their politic and where it comes from can help us give us more knowledge on how to either embrace what this masculinity is that people have put on us. Um, because again, like it's, it's being framed as something that's bad. So what about a black woman who is cisgender having masculine traits? What is supposed to be bad about that? Like, why can't speaking loud be something that's feminine? Who made, who decided which is where it went? A lot of men are not loud not all men are loud. And when men are loud, that is something that was stereotypically made to be good if a man is loud and more confident or whatever. So just questioning those things and again, pushing like, okay, as women, maybe getting more comfortable with dating men who are shorter than us or dating men who are like, I don't know, not as big as us. You know, people kind of always want that big, strong guy, small, petite woman. So like challenging those things and actually looking to people in real life. Like just today, I saw a guy who was shorter than his girlfriend. Some some things like that are like these masculine and feminine things that people would never go for. So I think it's, it's things like that and just being in community with people, respecting them. And again, a lot of people for religious reasons are homophobic and transphobic, which is not okay. Um, I don't, I don't participate in that group. I don't, I don't know what the religious people are talking about. I don't care. But I think, yeah, those are some of the things that we're battling right now. And I don't know, I'm trying to be a good ally, but it's a hard fight because people get very, um, uh, I don't know the word, defensive and dismissive when it comes to combating transphobia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so first I want to say thank you for correcting me in regards to my usage of the word of the of, of transphobia because I think you are very correct like it's not black black cisgender women <laughs> yeah so black cisgender women are not experienced transphobia we're experiencing like the the result of this binary that we're trying to we're trying to fit into so yeah so thank you for correcting me on that and yeah I've also I've also observed a lot of transphobia from, you know, Black women online that are pushing like this, or I've observed it, like pushing like this, like femininity stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think my observation is that like, I think we like, as a community tend to be very socially conservative in terms of like our beliefs and stuff. So, so it's like, these things don't surprise me because it's like, we as Black women are trying so hard, trying to be palatable <laughs> and presentable. And then I feel like we see these trans women as like an affront to that, right? It's like, it's like, damn, we are not only women, but we are Black and people already see us as masculine. And now we have these trans women coming in and trying to like fuck it up for the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the kind of vibe that I've been witnessing online like, I don't know. I don't understand how people see trans women as a threat to overall Black women's femininity. I, like, I don't know either. Literally, it's like they're like, I just, oh God, it's, it's just like, it's just so, it's so frustrating. Like, and again, it, it comes from like the insecurity of us just always being viewed as just so like masculine. And whereas we're so, we're, we're so blinded by that fact that it's like, we can't, see that black trans women are just 
fighting to just not be freaking murdered and to just be seen as mm-hmm. women, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really frustrating and really unfortunate, but I actually have one more point um, or one more question rather. So are there alternatives to like, the femininity movement? Like, can we create like alternatives to that? Because we said before, this is something that's based off of a binary, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what would be a good alternative to like the femininity movement instead? I mean, maybe just a movement that goes against desirability politics, which is a movement that I feel like a lot of people who talk about fat phobia talk about. So I would just say something that is, you know, counter to it. And I don't know if it necessarily has to be a movement per Mm. se, but rather people just doing the work, divesting from from the standards that have been put on us for centuries, you know? Like really just getting in tune with that and like always taking things from a holistic approach. So if you are divesting from femininity, you're also divesting from capitalism. You're also divesting from, you know, fat phobia. You're also divesting from all these other types of cultures and white supremacy, you know? You're divesting from all those things at the same time. And I think because movements can sometimes be so siloed, like, oh, you have the people working on poverty over here. You have people working on food justice over here. You have people working on, you know, rights to a fair wage over here. But when you have really everyone all together working for a common goal, which is to dismantle white supremacy, decolonize our minds, our land, you know, listen to one another, be more empathetic. And I think that's where we come to a better place. And people confront a lot of things. Like, you know, when if you're talking about people, you know, getting out of the femininity movement, they really have to start to ask themselves a lot of questions on why they do what they do, why they like who they like, what comes with that. Because there are certain a type, the type of man that a lot of people want a lot of times that comes with higher rates of abuse and just a uh, uh, dichotomy or hierarchy in re- your relationship that's going to be inherently not healthy because of the type of man that you want or the type of man he's trying to be. So I would just say people, I, I definitely don't want cisgender people just going into queer spaces to learn and decolonize their mind. I definitely think they should make those groups within themselves do the reading, or if people aren't a fan of reading, audiobooks, podcasts, um, YouTube videos, you know, looking into places who, people who have provided those resources, they're out there now, you know, you can go on Twitter, go to the search bar, and I bet you, you could find so much things on like, how to start getting out of the feminine, femininity movement, and just loving who you are by yourself, because it's so hard to be someone you're not, and that's like what a lot of these channels are kind of telling you, is to be who, who you aren't, and that's hard to do. Um, so just people embracing who they are, maybe therapy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. And, yeah, you know, like get po- a positive therapy movement, find a, therapy, a therapist that works for you. So I definitely think all of those things, because um, Black women already do a lot in terms of making sure that we are great people. We already do that. Yeah. And I think we have to do it now without the lens of preserving white supremacy and just toxic things that have been put on us. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it sounds like you're saying like we basically need to be in spaces that are affirming and aren't trying to just tell us how to live essentially yeah. and, and find ways to really deconstruct how we're thinking, how we're like receiving this information and carrying it with us like into the world. Oof. And that's a lot of work. And I really hope that a lot of us can find it within ourselves to really do that. I think don't, I don't blame them too much because I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot. If your friend groups are all like this, this means you got to start losing friends. And yes, some people just don't have, they just don't want to. So I mean, like, I'm not trying to like, I don't know the analogy, bringing a horse to water and forcing it to drink. I'm just, I'm out of that. Maybe two years ago, <laughs> I would have been trying to do that. But at this point, I'll let you do what you want to do. And then if you have a change of heart and then want to come talk to me and be like, you know, 
be in more affirming spaces to you who you authentically are then I got you but until then I'm not forcing you to come over here because mm-hmm. that that just puts more stress on people that are already in the know mm-hmm. 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 yeah I mean it, it's it's I think it's just going to be a process for like people who want to like really grow and unpack and I agree like I think that like it's a huge process and we can't force anyone to unpack their own things. You know, it's like, because, because we had to do that for ourselves or at least I had to do that for myself. So yeah, no, I agree. But uh, we have run out of time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I just want to thank you so much again, Tiana, for being on my podcast. I, I really super appreciate it. I feel like you made so many good points. My brain, the knowledge. <laughs> I feel so much smarter. I do get from Twitter. So Twitter is helpful in helping me put some things together. I kind of think what works, what I'm hearing a lot and incorporate it. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter because it makes me feel bad about myself. So <laughs> I, mean, I haven't really, I never bothered to really curate like what I'm like, following. So I just don't do Twitter, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that you were able to do that and find knowledge that works for you. <laughs> so yeah, I super appreciate this discussion. And yeah, do you want to plug yourself? Um, not really. I mean, people can watch my YouTube channel if they want. My Instagram is um, temporarily deactivated. They can follow me on Twitter if they want. It's T Poli Sci. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I like, you know, I also have a nine to five. So I'm really just surviving. And if people want to follow me at this point, they can. I'm grateful for the kind words. But other than that, I try not to let myself fall into the whole like social media hole and the self aggrandizement, I think is the word. Yes, I literally was talking about that in my other episode about social media. Like, because the thing is, to be a content creator, you kind of have to be self-aggrandizing, I've realized. And you kind of have to really push yourself. And whew, it's something I'm still navigating as someone who's newer to this. But yeah, no, I totally respect it. I, I totally respect it. Okay, well, yeah. And you guys already know where you can follow me. I'm a kid with a pig on Instagram and YouTube as well. This podcast is on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, and Google. I hope you guys have, were able to take away something meaningful from this conversation. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.